Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard exclusively here on 94.3 wsc it's simulcast on iHeartRadio, and of course most of you are probably listening to us via podcast at our website at coastalwm.com i'm one of your hosts eric cox here with mr byron stall good morning eric great morning to you byron how are you doing on this wonderful easter weekend yeah ready for easter tomorrow do a little easter egg hunting this is the best time in charleston spring blossoms boating it doesn't get any better and this is i think this is one of the reasons we all live here right that is true that That and that and great stories of entrepreneurship yeah exactly who do we have here again last week i can't remember well we had mr (laughs) carl yost what another uh, great show carl who's the chairman and ceo of green shoot capital uh, here in Charleston, and Carl, we're going to talk like you're not even here, if that's okay. But uh, <laughs> Carl uh, did a great job last week, really, of um, talking about his story growing up in, in the Midwest, in Kansas, and how he evolved uh, through some big corporations in the, in the tech sector, and of course today has a thriving uh, private equity group, uh, but has a little different perspective, I think, that we're going to bring out in, in today's show. So, Byron, what was maybe a, a takeaway you had from his uh, talk last week? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things Carl said was that the best part of being a part of all these big corporations was the training ground. And uh, I know personally, you know, one of the few nuggets at least I can give is I went through the exact same thing. My first year, you know, as a financial advisor, which, by the way, is Eric and my uh, day job, at least, was for a big corporation. I learned a lot and was able to apply it to the more entrepreneurial side of things. So I think that was a, a very, very good point. You know, and I think uh, Carl also had several moments throughout his segment there just kind of subtly. You're talking about mentorship a lot. Yeah. Um, also, the, the word relationship keeps popping up over and over and over and how much that lends to your growth as an entrepreneur. But really, this whole concept of being unique in the private equity world where you are more on a permanent equity side, you, yeah. you don't go into the game with true intent of selling, such a different perspective. So I'm excited to hear a little bit more how that has percolated and what the result of that has been. Um, but we did kind of leave off last week kind of the evolution um of green shoot but one of the things we didn't i think catch in that whole story was how did you end up in charleston yeah it's a, um, it's a great it's a great story so i you know i own market sphere own my own company and we had several offices on the east coast and so and the it was a great business but the the challenge in the business i was in was they was 100 percent travel so you know we're obviously at clients that are all over the country and all over the world and so I ended up having to travel quite a bit for my job. And so my family made a huge sacrifice and basically uh, agreed to move to a location in the summertime on the East Coast so I could come home for dinner. And so we did, you know, as any good consultant did, we did a big analysis and a spreadsheet and a couple of PowerPoints and and, uh, figured out that uh, Charleston, you know, we obviously had visited here several times and we just felt like this was such a special place so we and by the way i sorry to interrupt yeah. say, denise gets this rock star of, of the year award right going back Absolutely. to college days no and now and so she's been yeah. there every step of the yeah, way she was obviously a big big part of kind of trying to figure this out and how do we 
kind of keep the family intact and kind of keep this wonderful journey that we've got going. So, um, you know, but it's tough to complain about moving from the Midwest to a beach town. <laughs> so uh, we we spent the summers here for a few few years, and basically um, we're just the biggest cliche there is going in Charleston. We just fell in love and decided we're just going to find a way to make make it work. Never so, heard that before, have yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ha- so, have to ask this. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering. This spreadsheet that you had, or some of the top – qualities you, you know it was funny because i you know you guys you know the last week we were here we were talking about you know i went to school at texas and i lived in austin it's such a great place and so it was a big debate between you know austin going back to where we had a lot of friends uh, or charleston or you know then we you know jacksonville you know we had kind of all these criteria about beach but really it was the it's the best combination of culture and lifestyle that we felt like you know um, on the East Coast. I mean, it was just fantastic. And, and uh, obviously, the other thing that was uh, amazing is, you know, we had a chance when, when I was here in the summer times to meet so many entrepreneurs. I know you've had Steve Swanson on with all, just all these different people that I got a chance to meet so, so easily. Like it was such a, such a welcoming community that that was, that was a really big part of why we decided to kind of come uh, you know. Well, and the tech scene was starting to really yeah, take and off. So right? we were, we were really, you know, that was, I had, uh, you know, I was owned a tech, big tech, tech company. I was really involved with a lot of tech um, folks here, and you know, just it was one of those kind of classic things. Got got excited about, you know, the scene there, and kind of uh, joined uh, uh, Charleston Angel Partners and started to, you know, make some investments here locally. So it wasn't that tough of a decision, you know, ultimately. But the spreadsheet was it was it was um, impressive. It was impressive. <laughs> so speak to a minute um, to Green Shoot and. Again, the vision going in this was a little different than a traditional private equity firm. Yeah. Uh, speak to sort of the, the foundation of why that was so important to you guys. And now that you've been in it several years, looking back, was that a successful venture to go that direction? Yeah, you know, I will say the one thing I want to make sure that, that uh, you guys realize is that I don't necessarily consider myself as much of an entrepreneur as, you know, a partner. So, you know, all the things I've done, I've done with other people. Like I never really staked my own claim and started my own thing. And, you know, it was very much finding groups of people that it made sense to do something with. And so Green Shoot was started with Adam Farr as he and I are kind of um, hub and spoke of Green Shoot. Adam is a former hedge fund, um, you know, executive from, from Wall Street. I'm a, you know, accounting guy from the Midwest. I mean, so we were definitely looking to blend some skills. And he and I started talking with, you know, um, some of our other partners now, Glenn Strovelis or Rich Corboy. Or, and, and basically the concept was that we saw just a huge potential in these, you know, companies between, let's say, $2 million and $25 million in the Southeast. And we started to meet all these incredible people and we felt like we had something to offer. So the biggest challenge you have as, you know, an entrepreneur is access to capital, right? I mean, as you guys understand that in the industry you're in. And so we felt like we could be an interesting solution to, you know, to, to that challenge. And the, for us, it was more about the kind of business we wanted to be a part of and the kind of people we wanted to be a part of, right? And so I'm very much mission-driven in terms of kind of in view Look at even our materials or anything. You know, we're very focused on, you know, trying to kind of grow um, naturally, and we're very focused on trying to, you know, really provide the the kind of opportunity that these companies deserve. Right? There's so much potential, 
you know, in these companies in the Southeast. And we, you know, and now as you look back two years later, I mean, obviously it was the best decision we could have ever made. I mean, we've, we get a chance on a Tuesday to meet, you know, one of the best entrepreneurs in the low country and to hear their story and, and hear their kind of origin story and how it happened and where, what their dreams are and how we could potentially be a part of it. The best, the other part of it is, you know, not out of a hundred things we look at, 95 aren't for us, right? They're for someone right. else. So my point is that this community that we have here in Charleston, this investment community is so well connected now. So we know, hey, this isn't for us, but, but, here but we, hey, here, we think you ought to talk to yeah, so-and-so. The, the great thing about what you guys are doing, obviously, it's a business and you're trying to make money, but you're impacting lives. Um, you're impacting the lives of the entrepreneurs that own it, the employees of those businesses. I mean, you really are a vibrant you know, uh, component of what's going on in the business community here. In yeah, and I will tell you, I speak for my partners. I mean, the reason why they're, they make those investments is to impact the lives. I mean, that, that is what they're looking to do. They've got plenty of options to put their capital you know, with the PE fund and just let it let it go. I mean, well, I don't know what's number two on that list, but we yeah. sure are glad Charleston was number one. By absolutely. the way, no, <laughs> yeah. it's been absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And just to illustrate that point you just made, we actually have a guest here that's going to illustrate your giving this to the community. But real quick, I just want to ask, what, what's your vision for the future for Green Shoot Capital? Yeah, so we have you know got a couple of um, made a couple of investments here in the last few years. Uh, GTI Irrigation's the second largest golf course engineer, uh, irrigation company in the country. Carl Interante is the CEO and lives here in Charleston, and we get to do projects all over. We're down in Sea Island right now doing a plantation course where they're, they're, um, uh, Davis Love is redesigning that course, and we're actually helping him build that. So, uh, But, you know, we see five to ten years from now, I mean, clearly for us what we're looking to do is invest in about one to two companies a year. And, you know, um, the other thing we're looking to do is be a little bit more specific about, you know, some of the industries that we know kind of need investment in this area. One of um, which is healthcare. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity in healthcare technology and some of those other aspects. Um, so that that's an area of focus for us. Obviously, we've spent a lot of time with service businesses and things like that. So we know we're looking to professionalize those businesses. So our our goals are a little. They're fairly small, right? We can't, you know, you can't take on too much uh, when you use your own time and your own capital, right? You kind of need to go a little slower than than the classic PE group, and that's good. That's a good thing. Uh, right. You can't grow a business more than 25%, by the way, without putting your investment at risk, just so you guys know. That's kind of a standard number for us uh, because, you know, most businesses are people-driven, and if mm-hmm. you grow more than 25% and you're the major investor, you know, there's a, there's a lot of risk yep. with that. And yep. so... One of the best things I'll tell you that we get a chance to do is most of the businesses come to us down here, they got too much business, right? They, they, they're dealing with infrastructure with issues. Right? And, they're dealing with a yep, different problem, yep. right? And, and we're looking to try to make the investments now and lay some of that infrastructure in place so when things aren't maybe as, as strong as they are now. So that's don't tell that's me that another, day's coming. No, it's not coming. <laughs> not not anytime soon. But um, you know, so, we, so before we introduce Meredith and get into a little bit of, of philanthropy and that you're involved in, um, you have this opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity to meet with all these businesses, right? Yep. Uh, both in in regard to what you do with Green Shoot, but also in terms of um, your angel investing. As you go through this process of hearing 
entrepreneurs and leaders talk about their businesses. Give a little insight to our listeners of maybe uh, on one side of the coin, something you hear um, that, that seems to occur frequently that you see business owners uh, should improve upon and maybe an area that you think here locally that we really are excelling at. I will say that the you know the most successful businesses and the, now when we talk we're talking to the owner right the right. person that owns the business the thing that you would be so surprised about is down here in the southeast their number one concern are their is their people like that's one two and three like if we right. can't give them confidence that we're the right bridge to the future of the people they've spent a lifetime working with, then they don't they don't have interest in talking further. Like there's a bar that people set in this community that's just incredible. Right? And that you know, I just want people to realize that you that know all these factor. folks, you know, the the people that own the glass companies, the you know, the folks that you see every day, like, you know, they're providing opportunity for hundreds of people, right? Employment opportunity for hundreds of people and and the folks in this community, they take that responsibility seriously. And that's absolute, you know, that's the first question we're asked. You know, that's one of our biggest differentiations, obviously, is, you know, our willingness to kind of step in and play a different role for them. And and then secondarily, we're there to solve their problem, right? They're not there to solve our problem, right? right? So this is about what their dreams are. What what are they looking to do? What role do they want in the future in their company, so that we can think about that and think about a plan to get there. I'd say lastly, the thing that I'd ask the, you know, all the entrepreneurs that, you know, I'm a former accounting person and I will say that we definitely need to have stronger practices in that area. That's where traditionally most of the entrepreneurs in this community kind of miss, you know, valuation is that they just aren't knowing their numbers and knowing them, having them be consistent. Um, and it doesn't cost anything to be good at that. Right. I mean, that's it's not like we're looking at what they spend and we're saying, oh, well, see, they just underspent in this area. It's just that the discipline is just not there. And we've had to on multiple occasions kind of send people back to the drawing board and say, hey, listen, here's a good accountant. You know, give us a call in a year. Right. Um, That's that's you know, we don't know their business. The only thing we can learn is through numbers and looking at the numbers. Right. right. So it's like it tells the story. And so that's that's a huge part. And we've been. um Eric Tomei with uh, Venture South, he and I have done some different things. We're trying to get out and educate people on just how important this is, especially if you're thinking about talking to somebody like me at some point in the next few years. You know, sharpen that pencil. Get that stuff done. Get it buttoned up because there's a lot of businesses that we have to pass on because we just, they just aren't there. You know the business is there. The people are incredible, you know, but it's just not tight. Takes more than that. Yep, Absolutely. So uh, we know you're heavily involved in philanthropy and have a passion for it. As a matter of fact, I think you have been uh, the former board chair and National Leadership Council chairman of Big Brother Big Sisters yep. back out in uh, Kansas City. Yep. Um, and certainly you have the opportunity to do some amazing things here in Charleston, and that's obviously why we have Meredith Crow as well here in the studio. So Meredith's been sitting over here all nice and quiet Absolutely. waiting for her opportunity to speak. So no first doubt. of all, Meredith, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So give us a little insight um, of what the vision is for Big Brothers Big Sisters here in Charleston and how Meredith, as the leader of that organization here, has uh, come about. Yeah, so I'd say, um, first of all, you know, I had a chance to be involved in Big Brothers Big Sisters for, you know, literally 20 years now. As 
by far the best experience of my life. I have a little brother that's 26 now and 6'5 and got bigger biceps <laughs> and uh, you know, graduated from college and you know all these things. Um, but I just got so much fulfillment in seeing the potential of all these these children. You know, and uh, when I came to Charleston, um, I'm involved in Social Venture Partners, which is a venture fund, venture philanthropy fund, just that where we basically fund uh, philanthropy uh, organizations here in the Low Country. And you know, obviously, I had a lot of interest in Big Brothers Big Sisters, and and it was part of this incredible organization called CYDC. And so I'd heard, you know, that um, Meredith uh, or someone was thinking about taking that and really growing that and founding a, a standalone. Uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters agency, and uh, I got a chance. I got a call from from her one day, and told her her, her plans to do it. And uh, I'll let her t- take it take it from there. <laughs> the vision was presented. Yes, yes. Um, so I have had the pleasure and the honor of working with Big Brothers Big Sisters organizations in other markets. And I moved here about eight years ago. And uh, as Carl also. Uh, found out when he moved here big brothers big sisters wasn't its own standalone independent nonprofit and um, I had spent enough time in the nonprofit sector and I'm passionate about the big brothers big sisters mission particularly because of my own upbringing and uh, did some market analysis compared markets that you know the Charleston Regional Development Alliance is using as benchmarks and said where should we be um, and I know that we can be between 800 and 1,200 kids annually. I mean, there are 30,000 kids living here in the Tri-County region in poverty. We've got 28,000 children who are living in single-parent homes. Um, we really, uh, our job is to be those caring adults and to work with families to defend the potential of these kids. Um, and we're invested in Charleston. Wow. So if someone were wanting to donate to Big Brothers Big Sisters, where could they go? <laughs> um, they can there you go, Byron. Just tee it up. <laughs> well, yeah, go good, for good it. Saturday yeah, morning to you. Yeah, we're happy uh, to take Or give their time yeah. or be involved yeah, yeah, in any yeah. way, right? Well, in, in any manner. Yeah, yeah so uh, we have a website. It's BBBS and then lowcountry.org. Um, there you'll find all of our contact information. There's also a donation portal. Um, you can donate one time. You can donate on a monthly basis. Um, we'd be happy to accept your help there. It also is a great way to get involved. I mean, there's a button. It's very clear that says "Be a Big." So if you're interested in spending some great low-key quality time with a child um, to help them sort of think about their future and to uh, be resilient as they're fulfilling their own potential, um, it's a great opportunity, and, and we'd be happy to involve you. You know, I think a lot of people know the name Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Sure. We all heard it, but we all, maybe don't all know exactly what you do. Give us a little drill down on that. Yeah, so it is what what differentiates us from other mentoring organizations is that we're a professional mentoring organization. So that sounds complex, but the reality is, is it's an adult, a caring adult who's qualified and safe to be with a child. Um, a family member calls in and says, we really need a, another adult to be in the life of the child that we're raising. And those two, after we screen them, after we qualify them, after we interview them, um, we match them up. Who's compatible? Who likes to share uh, fishing or basketball or going to the movies or whatever it is? And we bring them together and we support them throughout the life of their match. So practically speaking, big brothers and big sisters spend two to four times a month with their little brother or little sister for, you know, four to eight hours cumulatively. Um, And we ask that they do simple things. Um, We're not asking them to take and spend a lot of expensive um, or to engage in expensive activities, but rather 
um, do things that help build a child's character and allow them to feel close to somebody um, so that when life gets rough, and it will, um, we've all experienced our highs and lows, um, they have somebody who has their back, somebody that they can call upon to seek advice um, or to reach out to, and uh, it's really quite transformative. In the end, it means that kids who are in our program are going to do better in school. They're going to avoid the juvenile justice system. They're going to have much better relationships with their peers and with their family members. And uh, when we talk about the trajectory of their future, it's significantly improved. Um, And that's why we do what we do. Wow. So what's your vision for the organization over the coming years? Yeah. Um, Well, besides growth and the number of children, right now there's, last year, um, the small endeavor served about 200 kids. So we're talking about 400% growth, 600% growth over the next six to eight years is sort of the hope. Um, beyond that, we're really looking forward to building relationships with workplaces that want to help their employees um, become stickier in those environments um, to retain those really great employees. Um, we're hoping to build a program um, whereby we bring little brothers and little sisters to the workplace for one of those outings that happen over the course of the month, and that workplaces are building cohorts of big brothers and big sisters. Um, our brand is incredible. The experience is incredible, and uh, that's one of the things that we hope to do pretty quickly. And that the reason why we, we like to kind of incorporate some work element into, yep. into this mentorship is that we're trying to build the network for our kids that kind of some of our children naturally have. Sure. They don't right. have the networks that some of us do. That's right. And so when they get a chance to, to rub elbows at Boeing or, you know, at the new Volvo facility or Blackbaud, they get... You can't imagine what changes in terms of kind of what resources are now available as they think about going to college, as they think about finishing high school. So does that make sense? That's a big part mm-hmm. of why we yeah. want to incorporate that um, makes the a lot community. Of sense. That's yeah. smart. Yeah. I mean, we've uh, you know week in and week out with entrepreneurs on this show, we talk about their success, and uh, again, it always comes back to relationships. It always comes back mm-hmm. to the people, and network is a big part of that. And you're right; those folks sometimes don't have that opportunity naturally through the, the channels they're being brought up through. And so to offer that as a lifeline is life-changing. Yeah, Robert Putnam wrote a book called Our Kids, and it talked and had a profound impact on me because it talked a lot about the value of the network. And just, you know, where does, you know, when kids are in poverty, what's the biggest gap that they have in terms of success? And his point was, you know, it was much more centered around that natural network that you have, you know, around you, you know, rooting for you and, and the other thing is, you know, we, we build friendships that wouldn't naturally occur, right? Right? You know, but when those, once those friendships happen, right, they They're happen for a bonds. long time, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, there's, you know, obviously you can tell how passionate we both are for, you know, this. But the, I will tell you, we, you know, I was looking nationally. If you think about what market you want to start Big Brothers, Big Sisters at, you would say, how about a place that's, you know, I got 40 people moving to it every day. And, but the most important thing that is so neat about this market is that our kids and our volunteers live closer in Charleston mm. than they yeah. do in any other community that we serve today in Big Brothers Big Sisters, right? I mean, it's fascinating. So the challenges we had in L.A. or Chicago or in Kansas City where I was was, you know, you know our volunteers lived in one place and our kids mm, lived way, in another. And yeah. you know, driving an hour each way is is different. Now, we may get caught in some traffic here in Charleston, but the advantage is our kids are down the street from most of our volunteers. It's, I mean, it's just Great incredible. Point. 
Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, we're about to run out of time. It's hard to believe how fast this goes. But I do want to get this in, Carl. Um, just in regards to your life, you look back, your professional journey, you've had a tremendous amount of success. You've, you've given back. Um, what, and this is one of those really hard questions, right? So I'm going to yeah. make you think for a minute. But when you look back over your journey, and you have people out here listening today who are starting their journey, or they're in the middle of maybe some adversity in their journey, what's one really good nugget of wisdom you can share over uh, all the experiences that you've had along your journey? You know, I think one of the things um, that I think is so important to realize is that, you know, the, you know, you kind of get focused on what happens during the day, like the crisis of the moment. And all of them pass. Like, it's never that bad, and it's actually never that good. And I see, you know, I get the chance to kind of see different companies, uh, you know, every day now. And, and one of the things that I've kind of taken away is just, you know, calm down. It's okay. Things are going to be all right. You know, I hate to say it, but I used to have a guy that I worked with that, you know, used to have to tell me that. It's like, hey, nobody died today, right? You know? Uh, he was a former Marine, right? He's like, hey, did anybody die today? Is everything okay? Yeah, we're okay. The value of great mentorship, Yeah, right? yeah, it's fantastic. So, I mean, to me, that's a really, really key component is understanding that, you know, you have tomorrow and that, you know, perseverance, right, makes a Good. difference. And in spirit of Leslie not being here, we got to throw this out, a uh, little um, a quick lightning round. We're yeah. about to run out of time. But uh, real quick, best uh, first thing hits your mind. You mentioned several books, but yep. uh, any other uh, book that you would recommend? I recommend uh, The Go-Giver to anybody uh, every great time. Book. Sitting great on my book. desk right yep. now, actually. Love it. Um, something that you are or someone the most proud of? Um, I would say uh, my children. Yeah, We sure. get that answer yeah, a lot sure on here, you, uh, of course. It's a shocker. Uh, someone that you look up to or admire in life? Uh, I, you know, um, the guy that introduced me to Big Brothers was the former executive director um, Roy Morrill, um, you know, uh, there's a number of people in Big Brothers, but, you know, he started, he was my mentor and somebody that I still uh, still look up to. And quick last one, something on your bucket list. Uh, you know what? Um, Alaska is a place, a uh, buddy of mine here was a game warden in Alaska. And, Ooh, nice. Uh, talks about it all the time it's a place i've never been definitely want to go to at some point with the kids great stuff carl yost chairman and ceo of green shoot capital thank you so much for spending your time sharing your story with us and certainly for bringing meredith crow along as well uh with big brother big sister here in charleston byron uh unfortunately we're out of time another wrap but another great story yeah and have a wonderful easter tomorrow and in case you happen to miss us again simply go to our website at coastalwm.com click on the radio icon and you can listen to our podcast there And until next Saturday morning, Low Country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 943 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC.